You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello there. Welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Each and every week, I do bring you the OTI Podcast. It is a lot of fun. I love doing it. I've been doing this now for uh, over four years, and it's uh, one of the most enjoyable things I do each and every week. So on today's show, we're going to be talking all things NFL from a fantasy football perspective. My guest is going to be Chris Harris of harrisfootball.com. I know a lot of our listeners are listeners of his podcast, the fantastic shows that he puts out uh, multiple times a week, uh, pretty every day of the week, in fact. So uh, looking forward to talking to Chris in just a little moment. Always starting off the show, I'd like to thank you for tuning in, whether you're listening on Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, iTunes, whether you're listening on your favourite podcast app, whether you're listening on OvertimeIreland.com where you can stream each and every episode. Most of our listeners, uh, I think, I hope, are subscribers that come back each and every week and listen to the show. And you can find out all the ways, if you are not a subscriber, to subscribe to the show by going to OvertimeIreland.com forward slash podcast. You can get all the different ways to listen, whether it's iTunes, as I mentioned, or Stitcher, whatever you tend to listen to it on. Or if you have your own favourite podcast app, you can get the RSS feed on there as well. So get yourself set up to get those episodes each and every week as they go live online and uh, come back and uh, have some fun here with me uh, with my guests and uh, it's always a good time here at OTA and of course when you hit that subscribe button when you're listening to the show as well make sure you uh, rate and review the podcast as well on uh, your favorite podcast app that does help us here as well kicks us up the rankings a little bit gains us a few more listeners each and every week and uh, that is very very much appreciated so whether you retweet the show whether you just tune in and listen uh, of course leave us that written review much much appreciated as the season's progressed i've mentioned on a number of shows the little offers that we've had here for the listeners off the podcast and of course if you go to the oti website overtimeireland.com you can go to the recommended page it will give a list of all of our affiliates there is amazon.com amazon uk audible you can get a free audible trial whether you're in the us or whether in the uk get a free audiobook have a listen to that uh, obviously if you're listening to podcasts you like to consume uh, audio information on the go so maybe you want to get a, a novel or something or you want to get a maybe somebody biography you can listen to that on audible with that free trial a couple of different free trials up there do check them out at overtimeireland.com and then go to the recommended page as i mentioned and of course uh, we have uh, up there as well a great recommended page one of our favorite recommendations is always for nfl europe shop their website is europe.nflshop.com and if you use the link we used to have a code was oti10 for 10 percent off now all you have to do is click the link up on the oti website and that automatically as you get to checkout gives you 10 percent off your entire order on their store it is the same as nfl shop but it is the european edition so you can use it worldwide make sure you do click that link and it will save you 10 percent off the entire order that is europe.nflshop.com but the simple way to do it is go to overtimeireland.com and click on that link so i always try and get through the, the plugs try and get them moved out of the way as swiftly as possible we've done that now so uh, it's time to welcome my guest to today's show and i'm delighted once again to be joined on the show by christopher harris one of my you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts on a weekly basis, but uh, one of my must listens on a, a weekly rotation is Chris, and he has, a, he has at least five uh, football shows a week, and then obviously the After Dark show as well, so there's six in that loop, so a lot of Chris goes into my uh, ears during the week, so it's, a, it's great to have him back on the podcast again, and uh, for all the listeners of his own show, here's a seventh uh, podcast for you to listen to for off Chris this week. So Chris, uh, how have you been? 
I'm good. I'm really good. We're talking on a Friday afternoon, my time, so I've finished for the week. So, man, I, was like, I feel like I'm free. I, it's, it's just I don't know what to do with myself. I had to do another podcast. Thank goodness you called. Yeah, there, just, uh, there wasn't enough. Uh, you just had that etch to get another one out before uh, week eight kicked off here. And we're into week eight, which is amazing. The season is uh, just running uh, through so quickly it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun so far a lot of strange things happening uh, on a weekly basis this this past week week uh, seven was very strange There's six teams in that there finished scoreless we had chicago chicago cleveland uh, arizona indianapolis carolina and tennessee as well all failed to score in the, the early slate of games or failed to score a touchdown sorry but some of those teams being shut out and then of course we had thursday night football where we've seen last night with the uh, miami dolphins been shut out so it's uh, it's been quite strange it's been quite a quite a large number of shutouts over the the last couple of weeks right yeah i don't know what that's up i mean the thursday night game here was i mean what a dog that was it was <laughs> lousy and joe flacco takes a big shot that he shouldn't have taken and and dominican sue bench presses the backup quarterback i don't yeah man i i mean yeah it's been it's been weird yeah and that obviously uh alonzo with that uh lit hat and flacco clearly uh you know out of it uh, once he received that hit but that game uh, chris for me went down quite well and four or five of my dynasty leagues this week i was uh, i'm stacked up against quite a few miami dolphin players so uh, I've, i'm off mm. to a nice start in that and uh, obviously i had no ravens players uh, hopefully nobody out of alex collins hopefully nobody had any ravens players playing uh, on thursday night football but as we look uh, obviously this week uh, i know you're a patriots fan and uh, they really demolished the atlanta falcons last week but one of the storylines this season against has to be their uh, off offensive uh, kind of misery or their offensive issues obviously Sarkeesian's there calling the plays now uh, with Kyle Shanahan heading off to uh, manage the 49ers but it's uh, it's just been a, a terrible season for them uh, overall on the offensive side do you see any way that they can uh, start to turn this around obviously they get the Jets this uh, this coming weekend yes but I don't know that I can guarantee it happens um yeah I, I wrote a piece actually for the Washington Post this week about their offense and my goal was to sort of figure out whether the 2017 Falcons are the same as the 2016 Panthers, right? Because we came into 2016 just being so sure because that Panther offense had been so good the previous year. And then instantly just, it wasn't the same. And that has felt certainly the way it's been for the Falcons for, for six games worth of yuck or maybe five, I guess the Packer game was okay. But, um, you know, I, I hated the game plan and, and I don't know why against the Patriot defense you don't throw to the running backs, especially as aligned. You know, the they were playing a lot of two deep safety and man under, and they threw it to they threw it to Julio like 13 times. That's fine. You can throw it to Julio as much as you want. They're, they threw it to 10 times to Mohamed Sanu. I think nine out of the slot. I think six of the maybe seven of those those targets were outside the numbers, and that's exactly where you don't target your slot receiver like throw it to the running backs Devonte freeman's on pace for something like 35 catches on the season and he had uh, upwards of almost 60 or i can't remember exactly but uh just it's it's been a weird sort of arrangement but also a bunch of turnovers in in key spots where probably if they don't turn it over late against buffalo they don't turn it over late against miami there's uh maybe a little less you know clamoring right now so i have hope i mean i'm not cutting matt ryan right now i think i'd feel okay about having someone else for the moment um but 
Devontae Freeman and Julio Jones are, you know, for the price that you paid and for how good as we know they are, I don't know how you get away from using them. Yeah, and uh, when you looked like last week, you know, I asked, is there an opportunity for this team to get back on track against the Jets? And uh, last week playing the Patriots, the Patriots entered week seven, having become the first team in NFL history to allow six straight 300-yard passing games. And then obviously Matt Ryan didn't achieve that this past week. So Mm -hmm. it just, uh, it's been tough for them. Obviously, the change in offensive coordinator, we all thought there'd be a, a regression, but this, the the uh, kind of amount and the, the term of the regression has just been uh, a lot more than even uh, I think the the most negative uh, person looking at it would have thought uh, the last mm. two home games they've uh, had they've lost to the Bills and the Dolphins so now back to back road games are heading to New York this week we'll see if they can get it back on track they do match up uh, on paper very similar to how they matched up against the Patriots last week so we'll see if they can uh, get it going another player I'm interested to get your thoughts on is uh, Mitchell Trubisky so far uh, he has uh, just 24 completions and 12 quarters of football since coming in (laughs) as the the starting quarterback when you say it like that you know he's averaging basically so he's averaging two completions a quarter which uh, isn't all that impressive so 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 far he's kind of been uh, even uh, call him sub Tebow (laughs) <laughs> well production wise especially since when it was Tebow at least you were getting some runs right um like okay, I, know, I, I, don't I, think I know they're trying to protect him and it right, makes sense right. to try and you know they probably didn't want of him course. playing at this point but to, to, to be limiting him to the, the amount of passes you know there there was one game I think it was the the, the Baltimore Ravens game where Jordan Howard I think had did he have uh, 36 rushing attempts or something in the game mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and then he only had seven attempts against in a whole game against Carolina last week. Um, of course, like for the purposes of right now fantasy, not too many folks are relying on Mitch Trubisky, and you know even in a two quarterback league, I'd hope you could find a second option who's just going to try to throw more. I, what probably what I'm most interested in is like what's he showing to the point where can we believe in him for the future? Do we think that the number two overall pick was a good? use of that pick you know should they have traded up etc and i mean the returns aren't great yet but i wouldn't say he's doomed to fail or anything he's not like he's not automatically Bortles. but i do think the rawness that people worried about he was a one-year starter in college and none of them really run pro style offenses and he'd never really read defenses the way he needs to you can see that in in a way with him that you don't see with deshaun watson you know that you haven't seen with uh, I don't know, Carson Wentz, you know, so they're, you know, anytime they're going to throw with him, they're trying to roll him out, cut the field in half. Uh, anytime he gets pressure in his face, he's dropping his head and not even looking downfield anymore. The thing we love so much about Carson Wentz, the idea that even with traffic and trash all around him, he's able to keep his eyes downfield and find someone to throw to often quite deep. I mean, that's not, Trubisky doesn't have that yet, but he's also, it's he's like you said i mean i think i completely agree like he's probably being thrown into an unfair circumstance yeah it's not a great uh you know surrounding cast around him in terms of uh wide receivers and pass catchers but you Fair. mentioned there on uh carson wentz and it's not something to have in the show notes but i guess we'll just touch on him he's obviously everyone's talking about him because he's after playing a prime time game but he, he has looked uh extremely good uh, so far this season is there uh anything that maybe some of the listeners uh, haven't seen on the tape of that that any negatives that you can pick out to, to maybe keep everyone's feet a little bit closer to the ground on Carson Wentz? <laughs> so not too many negatives from this past game because, I mean, he, lo- he loses the left tackle partway through the game. and That's going to be a big blow for, the fir- for them as well. Sure. And that going forward, you're absolutely right. I think we're going to be paying attention to the tackles. But, like, uh, you know, the first half of that game against Washington – 
boy, I thought Washington was all, that defense was up in his face. Like I, I thought Washington was going to win that game. You know, the way they really were just all over Wentz pressure wise. And he just handled it really well. I think in other games there have been, he still sort of sees ghosts. There are moments where he sort of throws faster than he needs to or rolls out when he kind of doesn't need to, where he's not quite confident that what he's seeing maybe in a peripheral vision as his eyes are pointed downfield is actually what's there. And he doesn't necessarily always trust it. Uh, he he just takes a lot of shots just in general because the offensive line for as heralded as it is hasn't been awesome this year. And now I think going forward, the real question is, all right, well, that kid Vitae who had to play right tackle last year, you know, he's going to have to play the rest of the season because Jason Peters is out. Uh, no, you know, if I'm a Wentz owner, no reason to get away from using him. That's for sure. He's been way more good than bad. Uh, when the cast changes, we're going to have to see what the results are. But for the moment, especially against the Niners this week, I remain pretty hopeful. Yeah, and you touched on it there as well. He, he, you know, he's not, he, he doesn't look when he gets hit. He is a big guy, so when he gets hit, he doesn't look like it's really taking an effect on him. But the, the thing is that over the season, I'm just a little bit concerned with that, obviously, extra di- dimension to be talked about the, the offensive line with the injury to Peters, that if this beating continues, that eventually it's going to, to lead to an injury. Obviously, he's a very physical player, but we see, we talk about Andrew Luck and the issues with the offensive line, obviously with Indianapolis sure. a lot, and uh, you know it's kind of worn him down over the season. So hopefully yeah. uh, we can see that uh, Wentz can uh, avoid a similar situation. But he is—he's very physical. The thing I've been impressed with him is uh, this, with his size that he's just—he is more athletic. That he kind of when he starts to run out of the pocket, kind of surprises you that he's uh, as athletic as he is. So. Uh, <laughs> He's, yep. a, he's been a lot of fun to watch this season. Uh, moving on to a team, they're on their bye this week, but uh, I know it's been a, a point uh, that's been on your podcast quite a few uh, times over the, the last couple of weeks, and it's with DeMarco Murray and the Titans and the backfield situation. Uh, he was playing on uh, one leg, basically, on a, on a short week after just having one limited practice, and he did out-snap Derrick Henry 43-230, and that one out-touched him as well, 21-215, and out-gained him 76 yards, 224, so... We're looking at that there situation he now has the the bye week to heal up and my thought process all along has been that DeMarco Murray couldn't sit out a game because Henry was behind him and if Henry happened to have a big game or two big games when Murray was trying to rest up maybe he loses his hold on that job and obviously he's going into a, a situation this off season where he could be uh, moved on with the, the Titans and the, that contract situation but it really looks now like uh, I know there's a lot of Derek Henry kind of truthers out there, people who are big and uh, him getting that opportunity. But it just looks like uh, with the Titans that you have to think uh, they're going to give Demarco Murray every chance to to lead this backfield the rest of the season. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, I mean, let's set aside the question of how much I personally believe Derek Henry's <laughs> great. Anyway, you know, I'm not I'm not sure I'm there on him, but we'll, yeah. we'll set that aside for a second. I think you say it exactly right, which is uh, probably Henry uh, Murray probably agrees with you. Like, I don't want to give him a chance. I don't want to get Wally pipped. You know, I want all the snaps I can I can take. The thing that I was sort of having had no, literally no sense of the Titans-Browns game until I watched the film because it wasn't something I was really on my radar <laughs> when things were actually happening. And that was a bad game. Um, yeah, it was, it was crummy and, and, you know, just knowing that there wasn't a lot of scoring that I sort of didn't have a, a sense of it. And then... Having we all got to watch what Murray looked like against the Colts the previous Monday, where he you said it right. I mean, he's totally hobbling all over the place, and just felt like, why are you even coming back in the game? It doesn't look like you can push off. It doesn't look comfortable. I thought, from my eyes, he actually looked completely healthy against the Browns to the point where I'm like, okay, you know, I guess they know his body and he knows his body, and whereas I would have expected he would sit 
until the or you know rest yeah, a little bit until the bye week. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and that clearly they decided it wasn't necessary, and and I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, and I didn't think Henry looked bad. I, I, I would never say because he averaged a low yards per carry or because he got stuffed a few times. Like, no, there mostly wasn't room to run when Henry got the ball and Murray happened to luck into some better blocking along the way. I, I think probably it continues to be a two-thirds, one-third sort of split. And honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, Colm. Like, I kind of feel like that's right. I, I don't think Derrick Henry is a I think he's a little sluggish. I think he's a little slow. Like it's awesome when, you know, clock killing mode against the Colts, he goes, he gets, you know, the final first down, except for then he takes it 70 yards for a touchdown. Uh, and, and of course, when a person that size gets up to the speed that he can get to eventually, it looks impressive. It just, for me, it takes him a little while to get to that speed. It's sort of the big runway theory. And, um, Listen, at some point, maybe even as soon as next year, if Murray's not in Tennessee and the job is Henry's and the line is still young and hopefully maybe recaptures some 2015 magic, I'm going to have a hard time denying that Henry has a lot of appeal. For the moment, I kind of don't have that feeling anymore, and uh, and I, I'm not sure I ever did. Yeah, I, I like Henry, but I'm, I haven't been as high on him as a lot of people that I know are, and uh, obviously... You know, I was talking about the situation that if Murray did set out, we've seen it, uh, obviously it's a different situation, but Ty Montgomery broke his ribs, and you know, Ty Montgomery five weeks ago was one of the most wanted uh, players in terms of uh, dynasty running backs, and now all of a sudden uh, he's kind of like cast to the side, and you have Aaron Jones in there, so it, it just it can happen like that, and it doesn't have to be somebody that we think is uh, going in there with the most talent, it can just be somebody who goes in and gets that opportunity, but uh, if, if Murray sure. is cast aside uh, this offseason, get ready for that uh, ADP well, to just be through the roof, because I think at the by the time we got to draft him this year, I think he was uh, you know late fifth round was where uh, Derek Henry was going. So if Murray's out of yeah. town, uh, I don't know. Maybe he'll be going uh, first overall. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> or first round. Yeah, like I mean, I, I could see it happening. I, I, I t- actually on on the show that I did, they're all blended together. I did like a mid season awards podcast on on Friday, the twenty seventh of October, and uh, you know I talked a little bit about. Um, like who's been good. So I tried to give my fantasy MVP to this point, right through seven weeks. And uh, like, you can sort of pick who you want, but it has to be a running back yeah. because there's oh, basically yeah. sort of six running backs who've really kind of set themselves apart. And, uh, and, and I'm cool. Really any of the six of them, you could say, you could convince me they're the most valuable player, but I think it, and you know, in terms of value based drafting, uh, by my calculations in the top 12, so far this year, there are zero running, ba- uh, zero wide receivers. And so actually some few few quarterbacks in there who've set themselves apart. So uh, for those who you know think that in this world of extremely scarce bell cow running backs, that if you can't find one, that they're not more valuable than everybody else, like they obviously are, which to loop back around speaks to your point. Like if Henry, a person of his size, is given a 70, 80% work share behind a pretty good offensive line. There's going to be no denying it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And uh, did you just uh, date reference today's date? As, uh, <laughs> is that what you did? <laughs> well, I did because I, first of all, I'm living in a, uh, like a, 
infinite Mobius strip of podcasts. Yeah. And so I needed to like go. Oh. And then also I was like, uh, I wasn't sure when you were going to put the, put it out. So put, put this episode out. So, yeah. Well, uh, definitely we'll be going out uh, ahead of this week's action. But no, we're going out uh, later today. But I always mm-hmm. like I always like when little things uh, come up like that. So uh, fun, fun reference. And if you're listening to this, um, you know, week 16, week 17, uh, we'll go back and see who Chris had as his mid-season <laughs> MVP to see if they're the at the end of the season. So uh, moving on then, uh, another bit of Titans news, Delaney Walker injured his ankle is a high ankle sprain. It's usually a multi-week injury, but they're on that bye, as we mentioned. So if he does miss time uh, with that bye, if you do own Delaney Walker, I would be uh, looking to pick up Johnu Smith, who I think, if Walker were to miss time, would have uh, kind of some tight end to appeal with uh, just the way that the tight end position has been kind of an up and down mess uh, all season long and moving on then to we talked about bell cows uh, mark ingram has been a bell cow over the last couple of weeks since uh, adrian peterson went up to arizona he's gone over 100 yards rushing in both games and uh, alvin kamara meanwhile is averaging 97 yards from scrimmage since uh, that time that peterson was traded out so in my opinion uh, they're kind of at the minute they're kind of looking a little bit like the falcons running backs looked last year with coleman and freeman it looks like you can uh, shoot them both into your lineups uh, each and every week moving forward I agree. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to spoil the show from Friday, October 27th, <laughs> and say, uh, and say, uh, the my bold midseason prediction was that uh, I'm going to go out on a limb, and it's a limb, I admit it, but Alvin Kamara will uh, eclipse Christian McCaffrey and James White and every other running back, and and lead by the end of the season, will lead the NFL in running back receptions and receiving yards, and be a top 15 running back in standard even for the rest of the year. And I'll put Ingram ahead of him. Uh, I'm with you that the Falcons of last year is a decent comparison. I've sort of been jumping up and down on the trampoline of I mean, Sean Payton has done this several times. A lot you, of times. Way back. Right. Uh, Even Reggie Bush last Cal- year. Even, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like he didn't he didn't want to give Ingram the full thing last year. It wasn't as expensive uh, and it wasn't as successful uh, with Hightower. But go back to Reggie Bush uh deuce mcallister go back to pierre thomas darren sproles you know you you can point uh, chris ivory was part of one like you can point to i think four different years where the saints had a couple running backs who were pretty close to top 20 uh and that's you know i think systemic and plus i think we we think i personally think camara is a pretty special player i've been blown away by his tape uh, i wrote a column where i said i thought it was an open debate who was the better dynasty player between Kamara and kareem hunt i think skills wise i actually might like uh Kamara more so uh i i absolutely with you i'm right now until further notice ingram is more attractive because at this point it's very clear that he plays more, and they play together a fair amount, which is great. I, I love those formations, but uh, I'm I, I think Kamara is also a really good start. Yeah, and, and you know any running back that gets time in there with Drew Brees, and especially if he's in the pass catching mode, it's uh, definitely going to be a huge value. And you mentioned being blown away by how he's locked coming in. You know, after the draft process, I, I kept an eye on him because he went to the Saints, but I wasn't all that in on him. And in Dynasty Leagues, I passed him in a couple of leagues, and I really am regretting that now because uh, I, I just have been so impressed with what he's done uh, since he came in there. Even when Peterson was there, he was getting on the field, and obviously they think enough of him that they uh, were ready to, to move on from AP. So uh, he, he looks uh, he looks a real, real uh, prospect moving forward, and, and even in this season, as you mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if that bull prediction comes true. Moving on to the Pittsburgh, and, yeah, well, go ahead. Let me just mention also, it's I wasn't on him either as a as a rookie draftee. I didn't think that. I thought, okay, is he a scat back? Like I couldn't tell from Tennessee. He wasn't yeah. really the main back there last year. I think it just goes to show you that we can 
strut and fret all we want about how we're sure who's a good prospect and who's not but it really takes seeing them in the nfl uniform it really does yeah and when you see uh rookies just getting roles like this so early on it just you know obviously when he came in and training camp he really obviously looked good and the team knew they had something special on their hands at that point yeah. uh, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin has said that Martavis Bryant is not available, available for trade. Uh, of course, he uh, is going to have to say that because uh, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's <laughs> going to want him with the way he's behaving at the moment. But he isn't happy with this role in the offense. He's taking a, a bit of a backseat to uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. And, uh, you know, it's just been... Can, uh, the Steelers, you know, if the if this team was uh, starting the season and they had a, a, a losing record, you know, people would be saying, oh, everything's behind the scenes is so wrong. But every week, the Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it was after Big Ben had that game against Jacksonville where he threw five interceptions, uh, there was a situation where Antonio Brown said he wasn't getting enough targets, and now we have Martavis. Every week, there seems to be something behind the scenes. But the team, in fairness, has probably looked uh, as good as a complete unit as they have uh, in a number of years. But uh, with... Um, Martavis Bryant the rest of the season you just I think you just really can't trust him and uh, then on the other side uh, Juju Smith-Schuster as a rookie has has impressed me yeah I mean I think Martavis is pretty close to waiver territory in some leagues it kind of depends on the size the style of your league I mean if it's a if it's a 12 teamer with deep benches and you know I mean that the litmus test is if I drop this guy is he just obviously right is he obviously the best player left on waivers well then probably don't drop him right but if you if you're going to drop him and he's going to be among amongst a bunch of other players who've been disappointing and kind of haven't been able to get things together then it's fine you could go get someone else um it's funny because I think Bryant is completely overreacting. If it's if it's entirely based on actually how they've been deployed, he's overreacting. All three guys, Brown, Bryant, and Smith Schuster, they've, they've all been getting a fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so like, uh, then okay, fine. Yes, he piped up. He they they had what they had the week where they said two weeks ago they said well we're gonna give him a little bit of a rest and but they didn't. He played a ton in that game. It, it strikes me that, that we're missing a piece to this story, and that piece is related to off-field stuff, what he's like in the locker room, what you know, just the attitude stuff in general that we're not privy to. That it matters, but it's just we're never really going to be able to know because no, nobody has incentive us to tell us everything. But certainly, that when there's smoke, there's fire, and with Martavis Bryant, haha, there's been a lot of smoke. If you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so, like, m- you know, my feeling is uh, this is a more of a personality problem than an ability problem because I've seen in that first month in September, there were a few times where they sent him long, they took the shot, either he pulled up just right before the ball came or Big Ben just overthrew him just by a little bit. Like there were plays there to be made. And if it, if it, if this is where film is really important to watch, because if it was, you know, if it, if it didn't look like that, then I think we all would have been ready to cut bait earlier. Plus, uh, we wouldn't see the difference now where he's really not deployed as much these past couple games. So, uh, yeah, I mean, can I say for sure that in the second half of the season, a very tall, talented, fast kid can't come in and be a great waiver ad because he suddenly figures it out and, and explodes? I mean, of course he can. But, uh, yeah, it's not leaning in that direction. Yeah, and there, there is a reason why he's nicknamed the alien. <laughs> he can do a lot of a lot of special things. But uh, you mentioned, you know, a couple of mess kind of just – maybe a yard here a yard there to making big time plays he's he has beat his man off the line and you know if he catches three or four of those uh, passes that haven't been completed 
Um, you know, we're talking a, a completely different situation where he has three or four long touchdowns on the season. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But at the moment, uh, Martavis just kind of needs to get his head down. With uh, the team obviously stuck behind him through those issues that he had. Uh, you know, with the P or with the uh, drug suspension, and uh, now when they're moving forward, he kind of needs to to stay out of trouble because other teams are going to look at the issues that he's had off the field, and that's going to be even less likely for them to give him an opportunity if he's behaving uh, out of turn in Pittsburgh. Uh, looking at Deshaun Kaiser and the Cleveland Browns, and we know the issues that the Browns have had at the quarterback position uh, over the last kind of 20 years. Uh, if you look at Deshaun Kaiser, he was benched for the second time in three weeks, maybe an NFL record, I'm not sure about that, but he, he picked up pretty much where he left off after getting benched previously. He was averaging 5.7 yards attempt. He had tossed two interceptions with no scores. His touchdown to interception ratio now this season. I'm going to let you have a chance to, to guess it, Chris. Uh, what do you think his touchdown to interception ratio is? Um, I'm going to, I don't think I have to guess. I think I know that it's uh, he's, uh, he's throwing 3 uh, to 11. Yeah, I was 3 going to, to 11, is that yeah, right? That's that's correct. I was going to give you a, a hint and say that he's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns. but I think, <laughs> uh, So it looks like Cody Kessler uh, will get a, a little bit of an opportunity here to see uh, what happens. And obviously the front office will be starting to look around uh, those 2018 prospects. But do you, do you have any hope for uh, Kaiser in the, the Cleveland Browns quarterback situation? I was surprised that Kessler didn't get an opportunity to start the season as quarterback after what he showed last year obviously he got uh, annihilated behind that line and picked up uh, quite a few different injuries but I thought he he, he would have got the first crack at it obviously to try and keep Kaiser uh, to learn a little bit more of the offense because he, he clearly just doesn't look ready right uh, well so for this week over over in the UK it's going to be Kaiser Kaiser starting over Kessler again so yeah I mean Kessler's no good, so I'm not surprised they didn't give. You can't you can't use Kessler as an NFL starting quarterback. You can't. He's just he's not a big enough body. He's not strong enough arm. He's not savvy enough of a play. He's just not. He doesn't have any intangibles that excite me. He just literally is a backup. He's a third string quarterback. He's a backup quarterback. He's so I don't mind the idea they went to Kaiser. What I mind is that they've messed around with him so much, like. If you decided to play the kid who was really raw coming out of a non-pro style offense, which they all are mostly, uh, and and who had had really severe consistency problems at Notre Dame, where when things got going bad during his final year in college, they got real bad. Like he would make terrible throws. He could look great sometimes, but he could get a, a half or a quarter where he would just make bad throw after bad throw. I mean, there's there's just an overall obvious lack of consistency. If you're going to make him your week one starter, then you're committing to development time. I don't think you bench the player that you're committing to Bell. Like you're sending big time mixed messages. And I know Hugh Jackson's trying to save his job and that's not going to happen, but uh, I think it was a terrible mistake, and my guess is that Kaiser starting in week eight is more about management saying, let's stop messing around. We need to see if this kid can play. We have to decide whether we're going to take a quarterback next year, and uh, it's been bad. I mean, all of the stuff that I just described consistency-wise with Kaiser has absolutely been in evidence from the word go, from every quarter he's played in the NFL, and I don't. I never thought he was a great prospect. He's got an NFL body and an NFL arm. He's 6'4", 230, and throws hard but just there is a major mechanical consistency just if you watch any given play any given passing play on on game rewind you never know what his body position is going to be you never know what his arm slot's going to be he's all over so he, he almost looks like a player who's not being coached how many uh, consecutive snaps did uh, all pro left tackle joe thomas play for the browns uh, in his career before 
uh, sustaining that tricep injury uh, last week? I'm going to guess it's uh, it has to be on the order of I don't know about snaps, but it's got to be 150 starts, right? So it's it's 167 it's be... uh, consecutive okay. games. So you're close. So, to so all right, so snaps, it's got to be. 8,000? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you were close. If you were at 150 games, you would have had uh, the snaps right. But uh, it's 10,363. Wow. So, uh, you know, it's uh, an incredible run from him. One of the kind of iron men of the NFL. And uh, he had a, a season end in surgery, so on a, a torn tricep. So he's... Uh, He's he's out uh, obviously moving forward on that, and uh, the, he is one of the most loyal players I would have to guess in the NFL to have stuck through with the Browns for so long. But being uh, an All Pro uh, basically every year of his career, and then uh, having to to sit having to to sit and play for the Cleveland Browns, it, it can't have been easy for him. I'm going to touch on a couple of quarterbacks uh, now as we run through them quickly, and it's uh, Brett Hundley, obviously face planted in his first start. For the Packers, um, as a Packers fan, it wasn't uh, good watching as they lost the Saints this past week. But he's obviously just not ready. Uh, you know, a lot of these young quarterbacks, it's tough for them. You know, you really don't know until they're out in the field. But the majority of them aren't going to be ready without getting uh, you know a number of games under their belt. They went twelve to twenty-five uh, for eighty-seven yards, so it wasn't all that good. He ha- did have a, a score rushing the, the ball, but the Packers are now on a bye, and maybe they can get some things. Uh, on track but uh, what's your thoughts on the, the Packers offense rest of uh, season you know I had been before last week I had kind of notched down each player uh, you know Jordy Nelson had notched him down a tier same with Devontae Adams and you know moving forward but I think uh, at this point it's really hard to even go just one tier down I don't know I, I don't really think I don't do tiers myself and so I guess I definitely have I've lowered them for sure though um I uh, Jordy Nelson you know w- would have been normally in my top 15 overall in a standard league and now i think i haven't you know maybe top 35 top top 40 something like that standard league so it's it's a drop you know overall and that's not in that's not among receivers that's overall so i will say you know i thought the packers were certainly in that game and and actually i thought the offense was okay for three quarters maybe even more three they were winning early in the fourth quarter in that game and what it came down to was they tried to run right and they ran a lot and and for me it was less about hundley being bad and more about the worry is whoa if if that's really the plan if the plan is just to try to run like that well obviously that takes a lot of the bloom off the rose for a lot of those packer weapons my guess is there are going to be some circumstances where you can't do that and no question in the fourth quarter where they needed a drive he fell all over himself twice he wasn't good both times so it's it's certainly a concern to some degree, though, I wonder how you feel about this. Like, I don't really know if there's anything you can do about it. Like, you own these guys. You bought them. You're not cutting them. You probably don't have a lot of players who are better than them. I- I'm not going to sit Jordy Nelson for Jermaine Curse. You know, I- I'm just going to hope that with a, you know, with a much less pass-happy attack and with a more, like, reasonable human quarterback – Sometimes really good receivers have good weeks, and sometimes they have bad weeks. Yeah, you just have to kind of you have to kind of suck it up and uh, just just roll with it. It's one of those situations yeah. where you know, I, unless you you're playing in like a, a six team league where you have <laughs> great options or something. But if you're playing in any standard leagues with twelve teams or more, it's just uh, it's not a viable uh, option to be to be sitting Jordy Nelson uh, moving forward, and uh, on, that's just an unfortunate part of playing fantasy football uh, moving on to Trevor Simeon uh, it's been very hard recently to play uh, any of the any of the skill position players really for the Broncos the last two weeks has been an absolute nightmare for the team he posted a season worst uh, 5.91 uh, yards per attempt uh, this past week and uh, had s- tossed a seventh interception they were shut out against 
the LA Chargers. So it just is, uh, it's not been a good season for him, and he has thrown two touchdowns to, to five interceptions. So it's just, uh, you know, not good over those last four weeks for the team. We don't want to. We don't want to probably talk too much about Brock Osweiler, but is there a chance that uh, we see him or even Paxton Lynch when he recovers from his shoulder surgery? Is there a chance that we see uh, the move on from Trevor Simeon early? Uh, you know, at this point, at the start of the season, it looked like he had uh, a nice solid handle on that job, but the team's averaging now uh, just ten and a half points a game over the last four weeks. Yeah, there's a chance. Absolutely, there's a chance. There has um, to be a chance. Uh, you know, yeah, though he's been so bad, and that's one where, okay, if I'm going to compare the game film of Brett Hundley in his start and Trevor Simeon in his start most recently, oh my goodness, Hundley was way better. Simeon's bad. I mean, Simeon has had a thing going on for now for two years where if he's on schedule, he doesn't really have a he has a, he has a below average arm, but if he's on schedule, he'll he'll be okay. If someone's open, he can get it to him. But if you if you make him be off schedule and if you get pressure anywhere near him, there was a play against the Chargers where he got sacked because one of his offensive linemen ran into him, like sort of just not even ran, like sort of staggered backwards while he was blocking into him, and Simeon thought he was getting hit and he just collapsed. And uh, it's pocket presence is one of the worst in the league. He's bad. I think there's I think there's a real chance one of those other guys plays. Yeah, and you know at the start of the season, you know. When I look at uh, you know Demarius Thomas and uh, Sanders, and last year there was uh, a lot of games where they had uh, very very nice games, but again a lot of the passes were you know nothing more really than ten yards at any point. A lot of what Demarius does is getting the ball behind the line of scrimmage and carrying it forward, and almost as a as a kind of a screen pass or rush attempt, almost from that perspective. So uh, it's just it's just not worked out for them. And uh, two players that I love to watch, and it's just been uh, no fun watching them. This season, I have a couple of players here just as we wrap up. Uh, second half breakout are not candidates, and I know there's one of them here listening to you talk about uh, DraftKings this week and your DFS lineups. There's one of them I know that you're you're hoping he breaks out this week anyway, and it's uh, Josh Doxson, uh, Washington Redskins receiver. Mm. Uh, there's no denying kind of you know the opportunity looks to be there for him now. He's played a, a season high 54 snaps this past week in week seven, and looks like he's overtaken Terrell Pryor. Uh, as as the starting wide receiver there, do you think that uh, over the next kind of say eight weeks we can see uh, Josh Doxson uh, kind of start to realize the potential that the the Redskins were hoping he had uh, drafting him so early last year? I mean, you ask it, is there a chance? Yeah, I well, mean, there's definitely say, a chance. Okay, we'll stop asking. Is there but a chance? Like, Will it happen? Is it a hundred percent fact? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, so, what like what I see from Doxson, I did some film on him this week and. I just want to see all this athleticism and speed and wonder that I that I'm told that he has. I would love to see him apply it on the football field. That would be a, a smart place for him to show that kind of thing, because I haven't really seen it even in the you know the first half of the Monday night game where Terrell Pryor didn't play, and Dox is out there. I'd love to see him. Just they love to throw up to him in the red zone. They throw it to him in the end zone and the red zone so much. Two more times again on Monday, uh, he had the drop in the end zone against Kansas City. He scored a touchdown. Uh, on an almost end zone catch might have even been into the end zone a couple weeks ago. Like, uh, you know, I I did for the first time put him in my top 100 overall for the rest of the season in a PPR league, and he'd be just outside that in the standard league. So I'm acknowledging, you know, but that's not a prediction of greatness. It's more an acknowledgement of opportunity and talent, and let's see what the kid does with it. But am I going to be shocked that if that, that maybe Washington is just sort of casting around for some sort of wide receiver solution because they've all been pretty unreliable. They've always sort of they've all either had hands problems or just not getting open and probably they're just really frustrated with Pryor, but would I be shocked if Pryor then takes this as a kick in the butt and is able to come back and be okay in the second half? I, I expect nothing out of this group, but I think Doxon's worth an ad. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's one that's really surprised me this year has been uh, Jamison Crowder. And, you know, if if you're having hands problems in the NFL, that's uh, obviously a major concern. And he's having him him in the punt game. Like, he can't hold on to anything. It's crazy. It just isn't working out at all. It's been, you know, I I was uh, bought him as a buy-low candidate uh, last season, and he he was just uh, solid gold pretty much for you all season Mm -hmm. long. But it's just not worked out for him this season. Now, moving on then to Indianapolis, Marlon Mack. Uh, among running backs with at least 30 touches, he is tied w- for fourth with Kareem Hunt in fantasy points per touch. He is 0.90 fantasy points per touch. Last week, he outsnapped uh, Frank Gore for the first time this season. Picked up 66 yards from scrimmage on nine touches. So we have seen the big playability uh, this season so far. And obviously, sometimes we see players in a, a backup role and they get those opportunities and they do hit those big plays. And then obviously, when the workload increases, sometimes that doesn't happen. But with uh, the opportunity that his workload might increase as the season goes along here, uh, where are you can uh, envision in him for the second half of the season? Do you think he can be you know, uh, at least an RB2 the rest of the way if he does get that workload? Uh, again, can he? Yes. Will he? No. That's my <laughs> my answer. Um, like, you know, the Colt offense just doesn't seem likely to produce a lot of touchdowns. With no Andrew Luck, I just I just don't think there are very many touchdowns there. And to be a top 20 running back, mostly you got to get touchdowns. Uh, no question, you watch a Colts game and you watch Frank Gore get the ball and then you watch Marlon Mack get the ball and you're like, oh, one of these people is fast. One of these people is old. Uh and yet, there are just a lot of mental errors in Max game. Uh, if you saw any of that Jags game, he dropped two different passes and still bounces things outside. And uh, like, hey, when he gets to the outside, I think there, what, there was a little, not so much a screen as like a, a safety valve, a little dump off that he took 30 plus whatever yards. We were like, he's off. He's just off. When he gets in the open field, he's a different kind of guy. He's he's not little. He's 5'11", 210. Like he, there's there's potential there. But uh, you've probably heard me say this. The player that I'm comparing him most to, remember Bryce Brown, the uh, Eagle running back. And and the problem with Brown was he just frustrated his coaches so much because he wouldn't run where the play was supposed to run. He would bounce everything to the outside. He would freelance constantly. And that's a really hard way to make a living. It's a hard way to play offense. And uh, the linemen get really frustrated. And so not damning Mac after seven games of his NFL career at all. But I uh, I, I think I want to see fewer mental mistakes before I'm ready to go a whole hog. But another player where, of course, this is the time of year where you go, you know, what am I doing with this guy? I'm a CJ Procise on my bench anymore. Like, let's get rid of him. Let's take a shot on Marlon Mack. Why not? Because at least, you know, there's a lot of athletic talent there. Yeah, with Mack, I touched on it there, Kenny. It feels to me like he's one of those guys who we see glimpses of him. He looks great, you know, four or five times a game. He's popping up maybe in the highlights. And just then if he came in and he was getting 20 carries a game, I just don't know how it would work out. As you mentioned, you know, if he's not following play designs and so on, it, it really tends to just all fall apart from there. So we'll see how that one goes. Uh, moving on, then the last one, Tyler Croft. Obviously, we know that uh, Tyler Eifert is out for the season. The, the Cincinnati Bengals really like having uh, Tyler's at their tight end position. But from a from a, from a size standpoint, Croft is nearly uh, pretty much the exact uh, same size and dimensions as uh, Tyler Eifert. He's just probably not as athletic, but he's he's filled in admirably over the last uh, couple of weeks. He has 14 catches, three touchdowns on the season. 
Uh, he's getting targets inside uh, the 10-yard line, and uh, as well, he's playing 93% of Cincinnati's snaps since Eifert went out in Week 2 with that back injury. So he's uh, he's looked he's looked pretty efficient, and a t- what you need from a tight end is somebody who's efficient who's getting those red zone carries with that touchdown opportunity, because pretty much any week a tight end's going to get a, a touchdown. He's almost a, a tight end one for that week. So Tyler Croft, I'm going to really put this one on you. Is he going to be a tight end one the rest of the way? I'm not saying will he, I'm saying is he. <laughs> <laughs> so i i guess i'll say no but i don't mind the opinion that it's if it's 12 tight ends we're comparing into yeah, 12, you know yeah. i think he's probably on the borderline i'll say no uh but i'll say i i won't be shocked i'd say i give him like a 60 percent chance of no maybe like a 40 percent chance of yes i'd say he's in the 10 to 10 to 16 range i would say i would slot him yeah out. yeah yeah which which of course tight end is so flat and that that's all they're all sort of the same so if croft wound up being the one that you picked I would be fine with that. I think you nailed it as far as how he relates to to Tyler Eifert. Like, same size and not a bad athlete at all, but just not the same sort of uh, explosion. You're just not going to get – like, Tyler Eifert running a route is just different. Out of a break, Tyler Eifert gets separation. Tyler Croft doesn't. And that's that's significant, but you like the good hands and you like the big body and – I mean, what? I spent the summer saying people underestimate Martellus Bennett, even though he doesn't run really great, right? And of course, that's all turned to hell. But if I have that <laughs> opinion about him, really anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, yeah, that's that's a problem. Um, but like, yeah, there's there's some appeal there with Tyler Croft. So I definitely don't view him. I view him as a fantasy factor for sure. And given the, the given the position, perfectly cool. If you just feel like one, you want a, a breath of fresh air. So with that, that's going to get us uh, wrapped up here as we uh, move into the final stages of the show. It's been an absolute pleasure, Chris, having you on as always. Uh, thank you very much for jumping aboard the show. Thank you very much for having me on. It was fun. So now as we get towards the end of the show, I just want to give a quick plug out to all my Rotoviz podcasts that I've had uh, this week. I mentioned uh, on previous shows, I'm doing the, the highlight reel on many occasions over there with Rotoviz. Uh, check out the episode I did this week with Charles Kleinhaxel talking about his weekly waiver report article for them. I also had Jenna Thomas of the Falcoholic on the Beat Report show. We talked about the Atlanta Falcons game this week with the New York Jets. Went in-depth on that one, so do check that out. Uh, a lot of fun talking with Jenna as always. And obviously, well, maybe for Falcons fans, it mightn't be a whole lot of fun, but will the team get back on track this week? Listen to the show to find out. I'll give you a little sneak preview. I think uh, the team will get back on track this week, but uh, let's see what Jenna has to say. So check them out. Uh, you can get them all. Just go to the at Overtime Ireland timeline, and I have been retweeting them and tweeting them out. You'll be able to find them all that way. So obviously, I hope you have a, a great week eight as we head into it. Enjoy the action. If you're going to the games in Wembley, have a have a really good time and uh, send us some uh, pic- pictures on Twitter. If you have some start set questions, I've been having a lot of fun, uh, whether it's start set whether it's just general life questions having a little bit of fun each and every Sunday uh, I've been wanting out a shout out on Twitter there and people have been sending me quite a, I've been kind of overwhelmed with the, the amount of uh, responses coming in there with different questions but it's been a lot of fun each and every Sunday so uh, go to the at Overtime Ireland feed on Sunday or even just before that and hit me up with some questions uh, regarding your team or your lineup for this coming week so with all that done I guess all that's left to say is uh, of course follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland subscribe to the show give us a written interview and until the next one when uh, next week my guest will be uh, Sigmund Bloom a football guy so until we're back for that one of course have a good one Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. 
This has been an Overtime Ireland production.